Welcome to Taking Action. The podcast focused on optimizing performance through simple actions. Hosted by Louis, a high performance coach for athletes. And Christy, a mindset and confidence coach. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today, Christy and I are going to be talking to my good friend and old colleague, Barry Mayers. Baz, for me, epitomizes the generalist, but not in the general sense. He gets that like top 1% in, in every area that he strives for and then moves on. So he's he's competed. I'm going to miss some things here, but he's competed at the highest level in uh, judo, MMA, CrossFit. He's bent nails. He's the guy has done a lot of crazy stuff. He was even ultra ultra marathon running. Uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but the guy has got a lot of stories to tell, and he's achieved an incredible amount in a short space of time. So today, Christy and I are going to dig into what he's done and how he's got there, and the kind of the mindset and the principles he uses to just stay so consistent for so long. So to get us going, Baz, can you just introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so my background is I've been in the army for 18 years now. Jesus, 18 years. No no thoughts of leaving anytime soon. And yeah, I think the way you summed it up there, Mia, as being a generalist is is probably the, the best way that I would describe myself. Not as much now as I used to be, say like 10 years ago, but yeah, definitely a generalist. My background growing up was sporting wise was judo and boxing. And then obviously later on when I joined the army, that sort of opened my eyes to a lot more things and started getting into mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and then a whole host of other strength and conditioning related stuff basically just as I found out about more and more things more and more things sort of caught my eye I just like to dabble you're like, like to say um, I, sorry Baz I'm gonna say you're like a magpie of sport like anything yeah, that's yeah. kind of like shiny and new you're like oh yeah let's give it a go <laughs> yeah. and it was never like I played rugby growing up as well but you know not to any like crazy standard football I played football, but it wasn't ever, it was never attracted to the sort of mainstream, you know, easy to do, you know, easy to get into sports. Like done a bit of rugby, done a little bit of football in school, but it was more the, more the com- combat sports really, really sort of. And I think I, I owe it to the combat sports like boxing and judo growing up that give me the sort of like, give me a good mindset to carry into like a lot of other a lot of other things like when I when I you know eventually with with Lou whenever we got into CrossFit together and going to competitions and doing that and then the kettlebells and then the, the metal bending and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu it, it all sort of stemmed from that mentality that sort of gave me at, at the start so yeah the background as much of a background as there is is just I've uh, been in the army for a long, long time and just like trying a lot of new different things. Do you think, Baz, you mean your military mindset, the military setup, do you think being in the army, have they facilitated and supported these passions and pursuits of yours? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I mean, you're. I'm very much... So obviously my, my opinion on things like this with the way the military supports people, it's changed. My perspective on it's changed over the over the course of my career, and 
you, you're the, you're definitely the maker of your own man. If if you get if you get what I mean, because I mean you'll you'll both know this. Squaddies are expert level complainers. You could send a group a group of squaddies to like the nicest hotel in the nicest beach in the world, all inclusive, and we would still find something to moan about. So you're as supported as you want to be. And there's as many opportunities as you want there to be. So in that aspect, it's it's not so much of, you can't just wait around and people will go, oh yeah, you go and do this. At a certain point, you have to go, no, I'm just going to do this. And that's, I think that's how I've got to where I am now with what I'm, with the rank that I'm at, with the position I am within the job that I do. Like I think I've, having just let it happen to myself, I've, you know, I've learned over the course of a career that, you got to put yourself in that position um, because at the end of the day, everyone's, everyone's got a career. Mm-hmm. So people are only going to worry about you a little amount and the opportunity is there for everyone and you have to pursue the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I wish that was something I could tell me. If I could go back and tell myself anything, you know, joining on like day one, week one, that would be, that would be it. But yeah, definitely uh... well supported. I think that's a really powerful message for, for anyone listening is, is to kind of go out and seek that opportunity. You know, you're noticing that that's a very intrinsic part of you and kind of your personality and, and not waiting around. And what has that kind of led to in terms of your biggest accomplishment to date? What would you say your biggest achievement has been? To, to, to date, recently, probably achieving black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. To interrupt um, you, sorry, Beth, to interrupt you quickly. Yeah. Can we go back to the beginning? Um, because like I alluded to in the intro, you've accomplished a lot. So yeah. it's probably quite difficult for you to pick one of those. So can we go back to the start and uh-huh. then like just highlight the levels you've been to it at kind of each phase? And then from there, yeah. highlight probably the most meaningful. Okay. I mean, like, so, so I mean, growing up, I, w- I wasn't, you know, I, cap- I captained the local rugby team, the local town rugby team when I was growing up at under 16 and under 18 level. That's just provincial level, not international or anything like that. A mediocre rugby player at best, at the very best. Boxing, pretty much the same. Provincial level, fought in the All-Irelands, you know, all that jazz just changed a lot since I was young. But yeah, so, so similar mediocre level of boxing. Then when I joined the joined the army, the, 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 the thing that the thing that made me want to join the army was the Iraq war. When I seen the infanteers getting into Iraq and you seen it on the news, I was like, that's what I want to do. And I wanted, and I went to the library as we had to do then because the internet wasn't a massive thing. And it was looking at, just looking at books. So looking at books on the parachute regiment, on the Royal Marines and the Royal Marines stuck in my head. And I was like, it just read that it was elite and it was, you know, the old adverts, the nine, 99.9% need not apply. I was like, can't, I wonder if I can do this. Can I achieve this? So I initially went to the careers office with the, the intention of, I want to join the, the Royal Marines. Obviously the way careers offices are, I ended up joining the Royal Engineers you know, but then <clears throat> obviously learned about five nine commando and the all arms commando course, and that was probably the first 
my first major achievement was passing the all arms commando course and being able to serve with five nine commando squad. That for me, get earning that green beret, that's a that's a big deal. That's not an easy and you know yourself, it's that's something that's there's a lot of pride and a lot of history behind that. And it's it, you know, it's for still to this day, obviously it's it's a coveted beret for a reason because it takes a lot of your life to get it. Yeah, so that probably, you know, I'd put that as up there as a higher or an advanced level of soldiering. Maybe not elite because the level above that is would be special forces. So probably an advanced level of soldiering. Then coming on to things like judo, fighting for Northern Ireland, and then getting into things like CrossFit, where obviously we started at the same time, just little competitions, then starting to place higher in the local sort of provincial competitions and then being able then to get into like the sort of top 50 in Europe and then being able lucky enough to be on a team that qualified to go to the regionals when it was still a thing don't know if it is a thing now I don't even follow CrossFit now but yeah getting to go to regionals was a, was a massive thing and that was the sort of a, epitome of my CrossFit CrossFit career would you say and then it was it was almost day and night so CrossFit we come back from regionals and it was a matter of weeks later where I literally stopped and started playing with kettlebells and bending metal. Really, really weird transition. But that was at that time as well that I was, I'd been doing jujitsu throughout this whole time as well, probably from like 2007, 2008, just after I finished the commando course. Had been doing Brazilian and I'd started getting back into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And it was a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Daniel Strauss, he does a lot of like kettlebells and grip strength. And I seen him bending the bending metal bars and twisting horseshoes. And I was like, oh, can I do that? So a lot, there's like a common theme now that I think is like, oh, can I do that? Would I be able to do that? Am I able to do that? So there's a lot of stuff that I, I have achieved. But there's also a lot of stuff that I've tried and gone, it's not for me. You know, probably more on that pile than there is on the actual, you know, things I've accomplished pile. Yeah, so the CrossFit regionals would probably be the highest level I got to there. With metal bending, obviously it's a very niche thing that not many people are even aware of. But I bent a piece of metal called the red nail. I think I'm like, I was like the 130th person ever in the world to be able to bend that piece of metal. So it's a cold rolled steel. It's about six inches long. I suppose about this long. I can't remember the diameter, but it looks like a really thick and all you have is, so you're only allowed to use your hands and it has to stay up between your, your throat and your belly button. Okay. So you basically you have to bend it here like this and you're only allowed like a piece of cloth at each end to protect your hands so that the metal doesn't cut into your hands and you just got to use your strength to close the two ends to within two inches of each other so it makes like a little u like a little staple very niche <laughs> yeah pretty pretty out there but it was a it was like a of strength that I just found really interesting and it opened my eyes to a lot of like areas of strength and conditioning because I'm an exercise rehab instructor by trade within the PT course so a lot for like hand wrist elbow and shoulder rehabilitation 
it sort of opened my eyes a lot to to being able to help people with that and on that as yeah, well Baz you gave yeah. me uh you gave me some great insights for the tie flip didn't you we had a call because I asked you about grip strength prior to me flipping the marathon yeah and, and something you you told me there which was so so eye-opening was the grips more about the opening strength than the closing yeah um, yeah because most people think grip is just the closing of the hands as opposed to yeah, yeah. fingers extended and I think that was a massive game changer that's why I had literally zero forearm doms after yeah. like any of my tire flips because I yeah, worked yeah. so much on opening my hand in sand basically yeah yeah like, like you yeah, told it's, me just, to it's like it's when we think of grip we think of like yeah like you said just closing the hand but there's lots of ways that we close the hand so you know and de and depending on what you're gripping so you've got hanging grip you've got a close like a close grip a pinch grip an opposition grip you know for turning keys and doing fine work with screwdrivers and stuff so and all that is you only have the ability to close your hand because you've got the ability to open your hand so grip is not just closing it's opening like you say so it's the entire entire strength and if you only ever train to close your hand you're only ever training one set of muscles and it's like if you were to train just your chest and not train your back you're going to be in a compromised shoulder rounded position like upper cross syndrome position so unless you train your upper back muscles you're, you're going to be unbalanced and you're going to put yourself in a compromised position so opening and opening you could argue which is which is more beneficial but if you train at all then you, you know you're you're not going to be in a bad state it stops things like you know tennis elbow golfer's elbow as well this sort of thing this is making my OT hand specialist skills tingling at the back of my brain from university. It's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that led you to the red now, right? Yeah. So it was that that whole thing. Well, it was seeing Dan Dan Strauss bending the red nail, and I was just like, I'm just, you know, you you know me better than most people. I get obsessed, like obsessed level with things, and I think I, because of that obsessive nature that I've got. That, that also helps me stay in with things when I get obsessed with something. I'll want to see it to my end goal, not its end goal, because with a lot of things, there is no end goal because you can continue. But uh, to my own end goal, and I kind of feel when it's the end. Like CrossFit, I felt it was the end because, I mean, I just didn't like it anymore. Just didn't like what it was about. Didn't like what it had become and morally for me it just well, it didn't feel right anymore and I thought it's time to leave this and I, I get that feeling with things as I go but yeah so uh, yeah it, it was very much from bending the red nail probably I can't even remember the year 2016 I want to say 2016 to now has pretty much all been focused on Brazilian jiu-jitsu and going through so blue belt purple belt brown belt and now the black belt which I got from my coach in December, yeah, and just being able to, to, to finish, to not to finish that journey because it's again, it's not over. You don't get the black belt and all of a sudden it's, it's completed it. But the the journey that starts again at, at the black belt. So so a lot of a lot of different things and the accolades are at different levels and stages. But the most recent, obviously, the biggest the 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 two biggest achievements physically, mentally in my life probably have been. Gaining the green beret and 
getting my black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as, as the most recent one. Along that journey, mate, because you've achieved shitloads, a lot of people will train for just one of those aspects in their life. Like a lot of people earning a black belt is, is like a life milestone and that'll be possibly the one thing that they've done. For, yeah. you to do, to, for you to do so much in so many different areas, like what has been the biggest lesson across that that you've learned? Just, and this, and I, I hear people say this all the time and you will have heard people say this all the time. And it's, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's like if people have done, if people have done stuff, that means people can do stuff, you know? So I'm a black belt in judo. And then, so I knew guys that were black belts in judo and I thought, well, this is attainable. I'm not an, I'm not an idiot. I, I like to think of myself as mediocre ability of athletic ability. So I know that I can, I can achieve probably what they've achieved. So I know if I put my mind that I can get a black belt in judo. So I done that. I stuck with it and, and just got there, persisted until I got it. Was it hard? It is hard, but it's the reward is that tangible feeling of I've earned this same with the, with, with earning the green berry. It's like other hundreds of other people have achieved this. That means it's viable for me to achieve it. Yes. It's going to be hard, but I can achieve it. Same with the black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's loads of people get promoted to, to black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You're going to be, it's like, it's like I said to you the other day, you're going to be somewhere in 10 years. You might as well be a black belt as well. So if you continue every day doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you learn 0.1% or make a 0.1% win every time you go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, in 10 years, you'll have a black belt. So you're going to be somewhere. You might as well be a black belt as well. You know? I love that. And that kind of the small wins every day. And I'm taking on everything you're saying, Baz, and kind of formulating this as part of being a mindset coach. And kind of circling back to what you said earlier about it your interest in it can I do it versus the things you've tried and it's not been for you how much do you kind of put in to know when something is for you and you then carry on with that reward that you're chasing that goal versus no this isn't for me and not it's a, it'll either be like less than the minimum amount required to actually get hooked on it so probably not enough so a lot of things I'll do and I won't expose myself enough to it. Okay. And that's, a, that's, probably a, that's probably a feeling. I don't give myself enough of a chance. Or I'll go way overboard and then just, and just find out is like, I don't enjoy doing this. Yeah. But Definitely. if it goes to that stage, I will have bought the T-shirt, I'll have bought the shoes, I'll have <laughs> gone on a holiday to do it or what I've gone all in to do it. And it sucks a bit when it gets to that stage and then I find out it's like... I don't enjoy this actually, mm. um, but it's a, I've got something obsessive within my personality. I don't think I'm obsessive compulsive, but I think I've got something obsessive within my personality that when I start something, like I become obsessed with it. Uh, I think that's a common yeah. reflection from my personal experience and professional experience working um, with people who've served your work ethic is just extraordinary and I, Louis and I talk about this all the time you are so persistent and you go in to the ends to get the job done absolutely but I'm guessing what's the compromise or what have you had to potentially miss out on or what have your struggles been to 
get to that end goal for some of this because balance right something's got to give to be able to do that yeah probably probably a lot to do with just very very selfish everything that i've achieved is a level of selfishness Mm -hmm. on my part that has broken down relationships ended relationships not just friends but with loved ones or whatever it may be girlfriends or whatever but it's a very selfish trait not just in a so people hear selfish and they think it's bad mm-hmm. but it's selfish in a way that i'm focusing on at, to the detriment of other things in my life either relationships or uh, f- you know friendships or wh- whatever it may be or you know social experiences or you know thing, things of that nature or I'm, I'm concentrating so much on something that i put myself back in my career so i'd done that in at the early part of my career where I was a sapper for a long time because mainly because I messed around and was more interested in alcohol, girls, and fighting <laughs> as as a lot of young dudes are, and Lou knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it t- it just takes it takes something, and that's very selfish, but it's selfish for a different reason. But it takes something. I think everyone has a, has a something moment where something clicks and it, I just change. But then it, it transferred to be selfish in, an, in another aspect, in another way of my obsession then became trying to achieve things. And mm-hmm. that also, the, the, the culmination of that was the same outcome. It was at the detriment of relationships, of friendships, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a, it's 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 a fine balance and you know some people might say it's a it's a choice you have to make do you want to excel at things and stuff or do you want to build good relationships with people with friends with loved ones you know boyfriends girlfriends whatever people will maybe only see it black and white and it becomes very hard to intermingle the two because you feel that if I spend time with this person, I can't do this thing that I want to achieve. And because I'm doing this thing I want to achieve, this person doesn't feel value from me in this relationship. And that's a hard balance to get. And I didn't for a long time really, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. yeah. I, nearly, I, nearly, I nearly swore that no was allowed. But that's for a long time, I fucked that up, Roy. And I went too much this way and failed this way. And then because... I was then, I switched the other way. Then I resented these people or this person because I was failing at this. Mm. So it's, 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 a, it's a hard one. But I think you, you understand what I mean. When I'm, yeah. yeah. Where you're, so you're so headstrong, like whatever you're focusing on, whether that's drink, relationships, fighting, like you're going all yeah. in down that road. And then as soon yeah. as you make the switch to being all in on, whatever sport you're you're doing at the time again you go all in on that and and i think that you're self-aware enough to know that you're selfish is is huge and the fact that you can like admit that you you're you're really good at what you do is because you're selfish i think is a massive lesson itself because it's not giving people that false belief that you can have it all because i think i think balance across everything is a bit of a myth to be the best you can possibly be and have balance, I think is a, is a myth and, and it's leading people, it's giving people false promises and false Yeah, hope. for sure. And like, I'm, 
I'm, I like to think I'm at a stage in my life now where hard truths are no longer hard. You can tell me what you want about what you think of me, but I guess that's got nothing to do with me. That's your opinion of me. That's, that's for you. That's not for me, you know? So you can tell me the hard truths and that'll give me an insight for sure. But if I, if you tell me something, I value you as a friend, I value your feedback to me. And then I know, I'll know if that feedback rings true. And I can look inside myself and probably find what you're talking about. But if you're just some butthead on the internet that says, oh, you're an idiot, I'm like, I am a bit of an idiot, but that's fine. That's okay. But you got, I, I'm at a stage now where I, I'm, I'm happy with who I am and what I am. So me, I understand that I've been selfish and I probably am still selfish in some things that I do. I try and hard to not be as selfish now that I'm nearly 36 and not a very good athlete anymore. Yeah, definitely. I still think, you Baz, you're, you're potentially, I mean, hearing what you've done, talking about being 36 and you know not very good athlete you're still kind of the epitome of what I'd probably be chasing but I'm now thinking in my head what you're defining as selfish and that negative connotation you said about earlier but maybe rewording it as giving yourself permission to chase and put energy into things that are important to you because people really really do struggle with that a lot of my clients struggle with that and Louis like you're saying about it being a myth that you you can't have it all, all it's true, you know, you have to compromise. And that's why I asked the question. But maybe it's more about giving yourself permission to seek what you truly value rather than that selfish connotation that people then get that stigma from. Yeah, I, like that I, th- I, I think it's uh, I think it's important to, on the, you know. I think it's 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 a societal thing where people mm. where people say that, oh, you're selfish. That's a real negative term. Oh, you're selfish. But it, it doesn't have to be. We don't have to view that as negative. The, the negative connotations that we get from them are, are they, we get from those words are self self employed. You know, we put the negative connotation on. It's like, well, you think I'm selfish? It's like, well, and then I got to go away with that and say, well, why why does this person think that I'm being selfish in this scenario? And if I think that's okay because I'm doing the things that I value and the things that give me give me and my life purpose well selfish then is a good thing for me so just just because it's a societal norm to say selfish is a bad thing it doesn't always have to be that way i'm happy with the direction my life's going you calling me selfish means you're not happy with the way my life is going that's a you problem not a me problem you know but and again it's a fine line because this is where the balance of relationships and friendships mm-hmm. come in. So if it's the loved one saying, Baz, you're, you're a selfish guy or whatever, then it's, okay, something's balance is skewed here. This is a relationship that I value. I'm going to test and adjust. Mm-hmm. So it depends. It's everything, everything in life depends. But To, to shift yeah. gears a bit here, mate, you've competed on the national stage, the European stage and the world stage across a variety of different kind of modalities what would how do you cope with that pressure when it comes to pre-competition and that competition day like what is it you do to make put yourself in the best possible position prior to competing and showing up i mean there's no i don't think there's any sort of 
there's things that make you feel prepared. So you do everything, you do everything beforehand. So you do all the all the training, all the preparation, and you make sure you get out of you, you get the, the most amount out of that preparation. And nine times out of ten, speaking generally, if you're standing on the platform or you're standing on the mat or you're you know wherever your competition floor is, and you haven't done the prep you know inside I haven't done what I needed to do to get myself in the best position you know that in here in your heart of hearts like if when you're training for the the tire flip if you hadn't been out doing those nights with the head torch on flipping the tire if you hadn't have done all those flips leading up to that you would have stood there on the start line and you would have had anxiety you would have been feeling pressure because you didn't want to let Harry down. You know, you would have been feeling a lot more nervous about things. So the, a lot of that anxiety and performance performance anxiety comes from the preparation phase, I feel. So if, you, if you're prepared, and your preparation is never going to be the best, but you got to be honest with yourself. Is it the best it could have been? Yeah, for sure. So if you tick that box, tick VG, we're good. We're on the day of the race. I'm of the mindset of you gotta let so much of it happen, but you also it's a it's a pivotal moment. So you do have to you have to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I wanna I wanna I don't wanna just do these things and do all spend all this time preparing do whatever the the thing is and then come away and have no recollection of it because I wasn't astute enough in my brain to slow down and go experience this. So when I'm, whether it's standing on the start line of an ultra marathon or on a platform, you know, doing kettlebell sport or in somebody's random gym bending some metal, it's important that you... And you hear a lot of people say, well, take a step back and just experience that moment. And I'd done it before the first workout at the regionals, um, the European regionals. It was one of my old coach, uh, Neil Lafferty. Uh, he, before we went out on, on the competition for he said, just make sure that you enjoy it. Enjoy being on the competition floor because there's nothing like it. And absolutely right. There's nothing like it. And we went out there and I remember standing on the start line at European regionals, my whole CrossFit journey had led up to this point. And I remember just looking around, having a look at all the people in the crowd, having a look at the competition floor. And in that moment, no nerves, no anxiety, no, no, wasn't worried about how the workout was going to go. And it was, I just lived that, lived in that moment, and I can still, I can close my eyes, vivid, see me running from backstage from behind the bleachers, up through, high-fiving the judge, coming on to the end lane, and I can still remember standing there. If I would have been in my own head, thinking, oh God, this snatch, I'm going to do the bar muscle, or whatever it was, I wouldn't have remembered any of that. I would have remembered it for the anxiety, the panic, the fear. And that's crippling. Those things can be crippling because 
what are those things? We're anticipating things that we have a little bit of control over, but not a lot of control over. It's the future. It's going to happen anyway. So you can't, you just have to deal with what you've got now. And it's being present in that moment. And I think learning that from an early stage or stumble, I don't want to say I learned it, I stumbled across just being able to do that at an early stage has allowed me to be less anxious because one, one moment or one workout or one fight or one competition or one race doesn't define me because if I, if I enter an ultra marathon, I'm doing that to race myself. I'm not doing it to race all these other guys that weigh 30 kilos less than me. I'm a 95 kilo bloke. I'm not designed to do ultra marathon. So I'm racing me. And I know there's in two weeks, there's another ultra marathon that I can go and do. So I get to do it again. So this one is if I, as long as I finish it, this is fine. And I got to have a good time. I got to enjoy it more. So now that I've become older winning, I'm not really too bothered about it's the experience and making sure I make a memory in that, in that experience. That's absolute kind of gold dust, what you're saying there, Baz, and everything is resonating in my veins that you're saying about being present. And only this morning was I looking through some kind of competitive advice. And one of the um, athletes I follow had said, you know, you can have the best competitive experience ever, but if you're not experiencing it, then what's the point? So, so true. And it's so nice to hear someone who's been successful across so many different platforms knowing that enjoying it and being present is important but just to kind of finish off and and get some some final thoughts what would you say kind of your main philosophy is what would you kind of want to share with the world about your learnings and what's important from your experiences just to not to not to be afraid to not to be afraid to try Mm. I think a lot of times people don't want to do something because of the way it'll be seen or the way that it'll make them look. Don't yeah. be afraid to fail and don't be embarrassed to fail. Everyone has to start day one. So like you like obviously Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is my main thing now, but you know, your first day at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're not a black belt. You don't know anything. Like I've just now something new that I'm starting. I've just started looking and become interested in cybersecurity. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> so I've I've started looking at as and studying things like uh, programming and coding and networking and all this jazz. And it's an alien language. I don't understand any of it. And it made me feel like my first day at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, mm -hmm. where it was arms and legs. And people tying you up and hair in your face and sweat running from your eyes into your nose and mouth. Like, uh, Louis just, he's just started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So he knows exactly what I'm talking started about. started where my other half goes as well. And everything you're talking okay. about, my other half has got two stripes, but like he's only just started as well. But hearing yeah. you talk, it's so, it's refreshing because I've just started my new job in an academic role. And my words out of my mouth was, this is like a new language. And it yeah, is yeah. that fear of like, you've got to walk in and suddenly be good at everything to stand a chance. But everyone starts somewhere. You're so right. Yeah. And just... It's being able to go in and I tell 
a role with white belts all the time. And they're so worried. They're so preoccupied with, did I do this right? Did I, did I do this? I, did, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I want the blue belt. I want the blue belt. I say, you just, you just got to, you, you're not doing anything wrong. You can't do anything wrong because you're trying. And I think that goes for everything. You lift a kettlebell. You're not doing it wrong. Everyone's like, I need the proper and the breathe, the breathing and this. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. Put your, you don't when you do. If you want to go and run a marathon, how far can you run? Put some trainers on, and go and run until you get a little bit tired. Then walk home, and the next day do it, and then have a rest. Yeah, so you gotta start somewhere. Don't be afraid. You're gonna fail. You're gonna be tired. It's gonna be shit. But that's that makes it when you get to the, the stage that you want to be at, it makes everything all the suffering worthwhile. And without the suffering, there's there's no glory at the end. If you don't suffer, there's no glory. And it's it's the long game, isn't it? Absolutely. Everything you're saying there is yeah, resonating with me. Lou, what about you? Yeah, mate. You we could talk to you for hours, Baz, and you and I have done this in the past where we just jump on a call and three hours flies by. <laughs> but I, I feel like this is a really good place to wrap it up. Like that that final message, that final thought it is so key. So to, to kind of finish this up, Baz, like where can people find you? I know you, you don't like being findable anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm on. I'm not on Facebook. I'm on and off Instagram. I do have a coaching page. I don't do... I don't particularly do a lot of coaching now, but if someone was, you know, really, really wanted to, you know, be involved with me coaching them, I mean, I would talk to them about it for sure. But my personal Instagram account is offline at the minute. That's that's just for that's just for close friends and and family, and it's not even it's disabled at the minute, so I'm not even on there. But I do have a coaching page on Instagram. It's uh, Coach Barry Mayers, I think it is. So just add that. And if you want to send me a message on there, send me a message or send me an email, my full name, barrymayers at ymail.com. If you really want to send me a message and ask me any questions. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give, I don't want to give people my phone number too many people have it already. <laughs> In too Barry, many WhatsApp groups. You've been, you've been a star, Baz. Thank you for your time. No, thank, thank you, you very much for having me on. No, thank you. Guys, thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening. For more content, follow us on Instagram at LP Performance Coach and at Coaching with Christy.